everybody? Okay, all right. Uh, well, I'm so glad each of you is here. Uh, I don't know if you saw uh, Pastor Chaz drop the table up here, but that's uh, we're co-coaches for the undefeated Benbrook Ballers. I don't know if you've heard about it. Mila, Judah, YMCA team, it's kind of the, the talk of the town. So uh, before we get into 1 Peter, we're going to start walking all the way through 1 Peter today. So you can go and turn there and scroll there. If you would take this, this was in your seat when you sat down. Uh, we're starting the six-week challenge. Uh, Courtney Fox is available to sign these if you want after. She can be in the lobby and make herself available to sign if you want. Okay, so what we want to do over the next six weeks, uh, each week is, is really kind of focus in on so many of us are new to the church and this church. And so we want to just kind of take next steps into the body, right? And so groups, giving, serve, and share. So the challenge is in at least one of those areas over the next six weeks, you take a next step. So maybe, so look at that first one, groups. Okay, I've never been to a group, so I'm going to try out a group in the next six weeks. One time, I'm going to try it out. And if it weirds me out, and if it's terrible, I'm not going to go again. But you tried it. You, you did your next step. Congratulations. Or maybe you kind of go to a group here and there, well, it's time to go all in. So that's the one you'll check and turn in. Okay. Or then, uh, you know, the, the all the way next step is I can host a group. We're expanding at such a rate to where we need to start new groups. So in one of those areas over the next six weeks, you, so you can go ahead and decide right now and, you know, turn it in today. That's fantastic. And by turn it in, I mean you can give it at Guest Central or at the Connect table. Uh, or you can take a next step in all four areas. That's great. But again, there's so many of us that are new to the church and this church that we want to provide avenues for you to take the next step toward Jesus and toward the church. There is no such thing as Lone Ranger Christianity. Okay, it's a together thing. And so we want to provide you with ways to step toward us. Okay? Yeah, you guys are so excited about the six-week challenge. I love it. All right, good. All right, so again, going to start walking through First Peter. Okay, five points if you can name who wrote First Peter. Yeah, okay, you got it. Great job. Okay, so you'll probably remember Peter as the disciple who always stuck his foot in his mouth. My guy, I, I so resonate with Peter. Okay, he loved being with Jesus whenever Jesus was feeding 5,000 people and healing people, and then he denied Jesus when the going got tough. Remember Peter? Okay. Uh, Peter's the disciple who we probably would have redirected away from the kids' ministry a long time ago. Volunteer. No, actually, we need you. Okay. So, but Jesus stuck with him, you know? Jesus patiently showed Peter and taught Peter what it looked like to be a faithful man of God. And in this letter, you know, 20 or 30 years after Jesus had ascended, you know, died, rose again, ascended to heaven to leave his disciples in charge, here we have Peter showing others now how to remain steadfast and not stick their foot in their mouth so often. And, and to really, he's going to show us in First Peter how to really face some really intense things that these people are facing and that's Jesus' kingdom, okay? Disciples making disciples. Jesus didn't quickly grow weary of Peter's foot and mouth disease. He didn't try to find a sharper, kind of more ready apprentice. No, he stuck with Peter, and he taught Peter, and he was patient with Peter, and he made Peter as a disciple. And now Peter is making disciples in this letter. And then those people made disciples all the way to us. And that is Jesus' kingdom, disciples making disciples. That is why our mission statement at Redemption City is making disciples who make disciples in Fort Worth and around the world for God's glory. That's what we're about, making disciples who then make disciples. So just like Jesus, we'll take people with rough edges. Okay, we'll take people like that. Just like Jesus, we'll be patient 
okay, with sinners and with people, okay? And just like Jesus, we expect disciples to make disciples, okay? Uh, so 1 Peter is a letter to the believers who had been dispersed, is the word that he'll say in the first couple of verses, and sent all throughout the ancient world. They were planting churches and making disciples who had never heard of the name of Jesus, and, they were at, and as such, they were facing some really intense persecution. The brothers and sisters were kind of around the world, especially in Asia Minor, which is uh, the pe- where they were at this time. And if anybody understood persecution by this point, it was Peter. Okay. By this point, he had been beaten, threatened, punished, jailed for preaching the Word of God. So he knew firsthand what it looked like to endure persecution but then not grow bitter. Right? He knew what it, what it looked like to keep going and not lose hope. He understood what it looked like to have a big faith and a big God. If I just had to summarize 1 Peter in five words, if I just had to, it would be, Jesus is our living hope. That's a good place to say if you wanted to. So what, what are you facing today? Jesus is your living hope. You know, what tests or trials are coming up for you? Jesus is your living hope. What are you sad about? What are you kind of anxious about? Jesus is your living hope. Hope is in short supply these days. It feels like we see a new and worse headline every day. You know, there's Uh, Interest rates keep going up, and wars and rumors of wars and hurricanes are all around. Looming recession keeps looming and looming. All these things. It's possible the Cowboys let us down this year again? I don't think so. Let let me take a five-minute aside just to explain why this this is a Super Bowl roster. Okay. This is the year, but it's possible that disappointment is ahead. It's at least on the table. Okay. So where do we turn for hope? But not like some quick escape. Not like some temporary relief, a a movie that we can escape to for a couple hours or a vacation for a few days. Where's the real lasting hope? Where's the deep hope that we're really, really, truly longing for? Let's read 1 Peter 1 all the way to 12. Uh, 1 Peter 1, 1 to 12. Peter introducing himself says, Peter, I'm, I'm an apostle of Jesus Christ to those. I'm writing to those who are elect exiles of the dispersion in Pontus, Galatia, Cappadocia, Asia, and by Thynia. And so if you ever read the Bible publicly, if you just do it with confidence, you pronounce it correctly, okay? So if you ever read in your small group, just go just like I did, just go for it. And they're like, oh, they, okay, cool. They know what they're doing. <laughs> According to the foreknowledge of God, the Father, and the sanctification of the Spirit, for obedience to Jesus Christ and for, the, for sprinkling with his blood, may grace and peace be multiplied to you. Blessed be the God and Father of our Lord Jesus Christ. According to his little bit of, no? Great mercy. He has caused us to be born again to a living hope through the resurrection of Jesus Christ from the dead to an inheritance that is imperishable, undefiled, and unfading, kept in heaven for you, who by God's power are being guarded through faith. You're being guarded through faith for a salvation ready to be revealed in the last time. Christian, in this you rejoice, though now for a little while, if necessary, you have been grieved by various trials. So that the tested genuineness of your faith, more precious than gold that perishes though it is tested by fire, may be found, your faith may be found to result in praise and glory and honor at the revelation of Jesus Christ. Verse 8, though you have not seen him, you love him. 
Though you do not now see him, you believe in him and rejoice with joy that is inexpressible and filled with joy, obtaining the outcome of your faith, the salvation of your souls. Concerning this salvation, the prophets who prophesied about the grace that was to be yours searched and inquired carefully, inquiring what person or time the Spirit of Christ in them was indicating when he predicted the sufferings of Christ and the subsequent glories. Last verse, it was revealed to them that they were serving not themselves, but you. And the things that have now been announced to you, though uh, through those who preach the good news to you by the Holy Spirit, sent from heaven things into which angels long to look. The grass withers, the flower fades, but the word of our God will stand forever. So Peter is writing from Rome to the Christians in Asia Minor. Okay, so again, they'd been dispersed to go sit, plant churches and, and uh, tell people about Jesus. And they're facing opposition, threats. And he's writing to them to inspire them to, inf- to face those trials by faith. Okay, so he's not writing to go, hey, uh, pray a little harder and then you won't be going through this stuff. No, he's writing to go, hey, what's ahead of you is really, really tough and Jesus is with you. He's encouraging them to hold fast through the opposition, through the trial, and for them to allow the trials that they're experiencing to have their necessary effect. Okay, so verse 3 says that God has great mercy. His mercy count is not low. He's not uh, worried about overdrafting today if you mess up this week. He's not worried about that, okay? He's loaded with mercy, and he loves giving it to his kids. Uh, And according to his great mercy, he has caused us to be born again. You see the intentional wording there. You didn't save you. You didn't. Uh, What can a dead man do for himself? Ephesians 2, 1 says, you were dead... In your trespasses and sins, not limping in your sin, not in bad shape, dead. And uh, Ephesians goes on to say, but God. Somebody go and say, but God this morning, okay? (laughs) The 1030 is going to do better than that, and I'm going to tell you next week that they did. But God, being rich in mercy because of the great love with which he has loved us, even when we were dead in our sins, he made us alive together with Christ. By grace, you've been saved. So really, you know, to... For us to really enjoy the good news, you got to get your head around the bad news, okay? You weren't a good person who Jesus made better. You're a dead person who Jesus made alive. He caused us to be born again. I did the sinning and Jesus did the saving. And his salvation is unconditional, meaning there there are no conditions that I met for Jesus to then save me. It's unconditional salvation. So listen, we can only find salvation, I mean, we can only find hope in a salvation that we didn't earn. Okay? We can only find salvation, we can only, <laughs> I did it again. We can only find hope in a salvation that we didn't earn. Understanding that idea is really key in enjoying Christianity and really in understanding Jesus' love altogether, that if it's up to me to earn my way even at a little bit, it's hopeless. If salvation is conditional or must be earned, we'll never hit the mark. You won't. I won't. And that's the salvation, by the way, that everyone else offers. Every other God, little g, gives you a to-do list and tells you to get to work. Okay? Work hard, do your best, and we'll see. Is basically the summary of every other religion. And we fail. My goodness, how we fail. You know, no other religion provides a sure salvation because who knows if I ever did enough right to outweigh the bad? Did I pray enough? Did I pray hard enough? Did I, did I outweigh my bad with good. And that's, that's the prison that Jesus came to save us from. He knew you can never, never reach up to him, so he came down to you, you know? 
You'll never do good, enough good to pay for what you've said, done, and thought. I will, I'll never do enough good. So Jesus came and is himself the way. My first observation from 1 Peter 1 today is this. For it to be hope, it's got to come from Jesus. Any other source ends up falling flat. As the old hymn says, my hope is built on nothing less than Jesus' blood and righteousness. On Christ, the solid rock I stand, all other ground is sinking sand. All other ground. Now, for it to be hope, it's got to come from Jesus. He's the only sure foundation for life and hope and peace, and all other ground is sinking sand. Or as one theologian said, Christ did not say, come to me, and I'll, come to me if you need self-improvement, and I'll give you steps. That's not what he said. He said, come to me, all of you who labor and you're heavy laden, and I'll give you rest for your souls. For it to be hope, it's got to come from Jesus. Verse 3 continues, according to his great mercy, he has caused us to be born again to a living hope through the resurrection of Jesus Christ from the dead. There are two components to this living hope, okay? Right now hope and future forever hope, okay? Theologians have coined this biblical idea as the already and not yet over the years, okay? And so we already have this living hope. Right now, you have it, okay? It's living and active as we speak, and at the same time, we haven't fully realized the hope. It gets better than this, right? Okay, so right now, already you're secure in Jesus. That's, that's done already. But there will be a day when he will wipe away every tear from our eyes. And death shall be no more, neither shall there be mourning, nor crying, nor pain anymore, for the former things will have passed away. That day's coming. And because Jesus is alive, our hope is living. So today might knock you on your behind. You might get a bill this week that you don't know how you're going to pay. Your best friend might betray you this week, you know. But our hope is alive, and if God is for us, who can be against us? We are more than conquerors through him who loved us. For I am sure that neither death nor life nor angels nor rulers nor things present nor things to come nor powers nor height nor depth nor anything else in all creation will be able to separate us from the love of God and Christ Jesus our Lord. And we're not more than conquerors because we have it all together. (laughs) We're more than conquerors because God is in us and he is for us. And so because of that, nothing can separate us from God's love. Not even us. I don't know about y'all, but I sin sometimes. And even I can't separate myself from God's love. But remember how full God's mercy account is? It's jam-packed full. Nothing can separate me from God's love. One stream of flawed theology. Now, you're not going to hear me do this much. I think maybe this is the third time I've ever gone after other preachers from this pulpit, okay? I got enough to to look at within uh, (laughs) before I go after other preachers. Okay, I don't want to do that. But there is a very dangerous and wrong system of doctrine called the prosperity gospel, and I want you to flee and run from these people. Okay, Uh, the real danger with the prosperity gospel is an overemphasis in the already and an underemphasis in the not yet. That's really the theological—there's a lot with it, but that's really the key theological thing. You'll hear a lot of being blessed now. Like here, you know, you can be blessed here and now. If you'll pray, you won't be sick now. And there's really an underemphasis on, you know, heaven one day and eternity with God and, you know, an unveiled face of Jesus we praise forever. Okay, there's really an underemphasis on that. And so for prosperity gospel people, prayer really is a tool to force God's favor. Really, and giving is really a tool to force God to, to bless me. And those are not biblical ideas. So we want to be careful with that. 
right? God's ultimate deliverance begins now, but it is finished then. If all of our hopes can be fulfilled on this earth, if all of your hopes can be fulfilled here and now, you need bigger hope anyway, you know? Um, J.I. Packer, one of my favorite authors, you know, he says that teaching someone that becoming a Christian uh, will make your life easier is cruel. That's not, what first, that's not what Peter's doing here. You see, again, he's writing to people under intense persecution, and he's not saying, give more to the church, and then you'll... That's not what he's saying. He's saying, endure, face, God is with you. See the difference in that message? Okay. And it all goes back to where we're sourcing our hope. If my hope is in the quality of my prayers, or if I'm giving enough, and then maybe I'll be blessed, really my hope is in me at that point. If it's about my performance, my hope is in me, and that's not biblical Christianity, and it's not the gospel. Uh, For it to be hope, it's got to be about Jesus. Let's slowly read verses 4 and 5 again to enjoy, okay? Born again to an inheritance that is imperishable, undefiled, unfading, kept in heaven, put your name on that, for you, who by God's power are being guarded through faith for a salvation ready to be revealed in the last time. Your inheritance is better than anything Jeff Bezos' kids are going to get, okay? Uh, your inheritance does not expire. There are no loopholes, all right? The bag is secure, as the kids say. Y'all don't say that? I <laughs> see it. Okay, I'm with it. Uh, the day is coming when you'll have it all. You know, think of the things you're facing now. The day is coming when you'll be healed and whole, you know? Look at verse 6 again. Peter says to, hang on a second, wait a second. Peter says to go ahead and rejoice, worship, even when I go through trials. Is that what he's saying? How am I supposed to praise God when my child is hurting? How am I supposed to pray when my scholarship just fell through? How, How am I supposed to come to church and lift my hands when all I want to do is escape? Peter, has the gall, the nerve to say that my trials are just for a little while? This doesn't feel like a little while, my guy. My, my loved ones had cancer for years. I've been broke my whole life, Peter, little while. What are you talking about? Listen, what the Bible's showing you here has the potential to unlock you from a prison that you've been in for years, okay? He's not saying, just look at the bright side. Think positive thoughts, okay? He's, he's not going like, find the positive, bud. And we're like, oh, gummit, you're right, Peter. I guess there are people who have it worse than me. That's not what he's doing. No, your stuff is hard. It is. The Bible never minimizes your trials or your pain, okay? Jesus is not trying to make you feel bad for thinking that your difficult things are difficult. That's not what's happening. He's trying to give you a deeper hope than positive thinking, a residual residual rejoicing, a living hope that's bigger than your circumstances. If your hope is in your circumstances being perfect, you're never going to be happy. It's not really, as Smash Mouth said so accurately years ago, the bills start coming and they don't stop coming. That's really the way life works. Family members will get sick. Your marriage will hit a rough patch, okay? Uh, People who you love and admire might betray you. Trials are coming, or maybe they're here today. But what Jesus is offering you is an inner peace that's dependent on His goodness, not your circumstances. And it's residual and it's real joy. He's offering you an identity. He's inviting you into a way and a path of freedom from hoping in temporary things and into eternal hope and satisfaction. Trials kind of help us bottom line life, you know, when you think about when when you kind of, a trial really hits, everything else fades away quickly and it bottom lines life for you. Uh, 
Texas's own Jordan Spieth is one of my favorite golfers. A lot of people say that we have similar swings. I don't know. That, that's just what people, people say it enough to where I, it's important for me to mention it. But if you don't know uh, Spieth, uh, he won the Masters at 21. He's been in like Time 100's, uh, Time's most 100 influential people. You know, he's kind of a big deal. And so, uh, and if you watch him, one of the things I really love about him, in every interview, he never says I or me, ever. In, in an individual sport, he always says we or our team, which is pretty rare, right? And so one time he talked about, he credits his key inspiration as his sister Ellie, who has special needs. And he always hugs her first after tournaments, he always celebrates his win with her first, or he, you know, again, win or lose, he's always with her first. And he said, because she sets everything into perspective for me. And this kind of lifelong trial grounds him and sets everything into perspective for him. You ever think about the benefits of a trial? The benefits of a storm? I'm about to get a lot of amens on this part. Um, Peter, says, Peter, Peter says in verse 7 that the tested genuineness... Notice the verse, notice the words very carefully. The tested genuineness that the fire of trial brings, learning that lesson, or learning to depend more on God, the genuineness, okay, that trials produce is more precious than gold. See, we all want gold, but trials are more valuable. I think about the toughest trials and the saddest times in my life, man, and I didn't ask for any of it. I didn't want the betrayal. I didn't want the pain. I would have rather gotten a winning lottery ticket than the betrayal. Okay? Give me the gold, not the pain. And all God's people said, okay? You know, but out of those trials, man, I changed. I became more empathetic, more compassionate, you know, more genuine. Y'all, don't, y'all didn't know BC Matt. Dude was shady as a mug. <laughs> I'm not even kidding there. Detested genuineness that experiencing deep, I mean, trials have a funny way of loosening the world's grip on our hearts, you know. Uh, Trials have a way of purifying you that good times just can't give you. A lot of us buy into the Hindu doctrine of karma. We we really do. That if I, we think if I do good, good's going to come back to me. Like if I smile, if I'm nice to people, if I don't lie very much, you know, and if I don't kill anybody, really, my life should go well. I should pretty much get everything that I desire. I deserve promotions and a nice house and pretty much my life how I think it should go. But instead of, if I put good out, I get good back, our God says, have faith. It will get tough at times, and I'm with you. I'm with you. I'm with you. We love Romans 8, 28. Christians love this verse. And we know that for those who love God, all things work together for good for those who are called according to his purpose. We love that verse because we read it like this. If I just have faith, it's going to work out exactly like I want it to. (laughs) That's how we read it. If I have faith, God's going to get rid of all this credit card debt because all things work together for good who know and love him, right? That's what we think it says. We expect that Disney swirl to come. You know the Disney swirl? The princess or the hero, their, their trials are terrible. Their parents are dead in every Disney movie, okay? The, the trials are bad. Their back's against the wall, but then, ah, right? Every time. The Disney swirl's coming, so we expect that in our, the, the, you know, my back's against the wall, the trial's coming, but I expect my Disney swirl. <laughs> Sometimes you do things and you have instant regret, but that's not, so the Bible, <laughs> The Bible doesn't promise you a Disney swirl, okay? Um, you know, we don't endure tough trials and have faith in God to get stuff. 
that kind of low bar. We endure tough trials, and we endure, and we press on in faith to get God. God speaks loudest in the desert. You never feel His presence like you do in the desert. And, and I know it's hard to see the trial as a gift, but it's more valuable to you than gold. And here's why. Look at verses 8 and 9 again. Though you have not seen Him, you love Him. And though you don't now, you do not, you do not now see Him. You believe in Him and you rejoice with joy that is inexpressible and filled with glory, obtaining the outcome of your faith, the salvation of your souls. We get Jesus. We have Jesus, and I know the trials that many of you are facing. Your city group leaders know the trials that you're facing, right? It's one of the joys of getting to be a pastor is I get to walk through things with you. So I know the trials you're facing, and when I see you, raise your hands and worship. And keep showing up when life hurts. That's what Peter's talking about here. Rejoicing and worshiping regardless of what tomorrow might bring, regardless of what yesterday brought, right? Not saving your worship for when the sky's blue, not holding back faith for after the clouds part, but praising God through the trial and through the pain, knowing that Jesus is our living hope. And God doesn't just explain away suffering. He enters into it. You know, he doesn't just give answers. He gives his presence. God didn't see us in our sin and send a telegram. He sent himself. He took our sin onto himself, paid the sin debt that we owed but could never pay. And now he gives us this eternal spring of joy and hope.